From Triple J, it's the Take 5 podcast. The people you love, play five songs they love, and tell you why. Welcome back. I'm Zan Rowe, and every week I invite someone great in to pick five songs around a particular theme. Music soundtracks our life and often triggers memories and moments that change the course of our lives for the better. This take five times with the kickoff of National Science Week. And who better to come in and co-host than scientist, comedian and big music fan, Bish Mazouk. Bish has been keeping busy writing for publications all over Australia, doing stand-up comedy and making radio in her hometown of Sydney. She was also an occasional guest on Triple J Weekends last year, all while completing her PhD in virology and cell biology. It's an incredibly interesting field, as I found out when we sat down to talk science and songs. I gave Bish the theme, Infectious Songs, and she knocked it out of the park. You'll hear parts of these songs, but best of all, you'll hear how Bish's science brain meshes with her musical heart across this Take 5. She showed her hand early too when she told me why her first pick was Sydney band CK and their song Void. I tried to think of the most effective infectious agent and it would probably be a virus. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) The more I study viruses, the more I realize how they're complex on one hand but so simple on the other. So if you think about like the structure of a virus, of most viruses, every virus is different. But think of like a Jaffa. And, you know, they've got like this chocolatey center, which is like the virus's um, genetic information. And it's got like a hard outer shell, which sort of protects the virus. And if you look at the structure of a virus, it's quite complex looking. But it's actually made up of uh, very simple repeated units of proteins. Often it's just one or two or three proteins repeated over and over again. That makes this really rigid structure that protects the virus. So it's just sort of like dichotomy of simplicity versus complexity because once a virus gets into you it can wreak havoc and do all of these complex things inside of you but they're actually very structurally simple this song uh, Void by CK I thought kind of replicates that similarity sort of hiding simplicity uh, under complex layers so it's actually you know just three notes repeated over and over and again throughout the song um, with layers structured on top of that but that sort of carries you through throughout the song. This is Chance the Rapper, no problem. If one more label try to stop me, it's gonna be some dreadhead niggas in your lobby. You don't want no problem when no problem with me. You don't want no problem when no problem with me. Just another day at the pick up on the mail. They go channel riding through the street, they be like they go. You don't want no problem when no problem with me. You don't want no problem. 
Bish, why did you choose that big song from Chance the Rapper? <laughs> I know you're a big hip-hop fan. I am. Well, I, I, this is the one song that I picked purely for a literal sort of meaning of the word infectious. Chance is such a, like, his joy and, like, vibrancy just in any song that he does is just comes out through his music and you can't help but be moved by it, I guess. Absolutely. Um, it was just playing in the studio and I was just bopping along. There's no one in here, but I just had to <laughs> bop along to it. So, yeah. And like I said earlier, um, I was just coming out of a call that I got at Splendor. And um, it was pretty bad. And I actually lost half my hearing. Oh, on God, the, that's the a bad right my, Yeah, because I, I took a flight I shouldn't have. And so I had a sinus infection. And apparently when you fly with a sinus infection, you can lose your hearing sometimes. Oh, my God. Um, that night, I just remember lying in bed being like, oh, what if I'm like this forever? And, you know, what song or what artist would I be the saddest if I didn't get to hear them anymore? And I think it would be Chance. <laughs> You did your PhD in virology and cell biology. What does mm-hmm. that mean? What specific field were you actually studying mm. in those years at university? So um, when you study viruses, you kind of also have to study the organisms that they infect because a virus can't be alive or can't replicate unless they're in another organism. So when you study viruses, you're also studying cells. So what we do in our lab is we study viruses, but also how they interact with the cells that they infect. So what I was working on was vaccinia virus, um, which was the world's first vaccine. That's where we get the word vaccine from. And it's Yeah. Um, And it's what we use to cure smallpox or to vaccinate against smallpox. So we were looking at how this one virus interacts with its host cell systems and moves around within a cell and does kind of yeah different functions within the cell. So we're kind of half a virology lab where we study the virus, but we also use the virus as a tool to understand more about how our own cells work because viruses are the experts in dismantling our systems. So if we kind of track how the virus works, then we can kind of understand more about how we work as well. It's also like funny because people often think virus bad, but obviously it's mm. used as a very good and positive thing. It's often used, as you say, to cure things and problems in, in modern medicine. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's um, a sort of a dogma that I'm trying to work against at the moment where we only hear about the viruses that cause disease. But, you know, at the moment, a lot of viruses that cause disease are being sort of retrofitted to fight cancer, um, for example. But also there are lots of viruses that do good things in the world. There are these plant viruses and marine viruses that basically, you know, regulate cycles within oceans that, you know, feed whales and plankton and things like that. And the virus is also part of our bodies as well, like our DNA, 8% of it is viral DNA oh, wow. as well. Yeah, so it's like all of these ancient viruses that kind of, you know, infect us and get into our germline and are part of us. And, you know, we use some of those viral proteins for our own benefit and... Yeah, there's a lot more to viruses than we think. It also feels like, from at least from an outsider perspective, that it's a field that there's just consistently uh, greater discovery, that it's something mm. that has, you know, the horizons are endless when it comes to virology. 
Exactly. I think, you know, one of the big debates in science is, you know, are viruses alive? Um, And we're still having that debate even now. And we're discovering more and more viruses that sort of sit outside of the definition of what a virus was initially, because people thought they were these tiny organisms that could only replicate in other organisms. But now we're finding giant viruses and viruses that infect other viruses. (laughs) And um, yeah, just changing the paradigm of, of what we think, you know, life is and where, how we even evolve as well. I don't think, you know, we would be where we are today without viruses. There's this complex interplay between, you know, viruses and multicellular organisms and them, you know, influencing evolution in each other and yeah, and also I guess yeah. that thing of, you know, what if that virus hadn't interplayed in a certain way, then maybe we would be very different people to, to who mm. we are now, mutations and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So a virus is basically the reason why we have mammals. The formation of a placenta is um, mediated by a viral protein that enables that sort of the barrier to be formed between the mother and a baby. That protein was integrated into like our ancestors, you know, millions and millions of years ago, but that happened at several different times. So that's what gave us, you know, rodents as mammals or or primates as mammals um, and things like that. So yeah, we wouldn't definitely wouldn't be here without viruses. How do you, I mean, when I, I hear this, I think how much of it is just random mistakes or random a- activities that have happened over the, you know, the eons that we've lived in and how much is it mm. by design or by evolution, you know, desire to survive? When you think about that and you closely study it, mm. do you often think, oh, wow, what if that had just sort of flipped the other way? Or do you feel like there's something driving it in that way to, mm. to you know, elongate, I guess, human life or <laughs> plant life or sea life or whatever, you know, whatever field? Oh, yeah, that's, I think, the the crazy thing about it is the more that you learn, the more you realise that everything is kind of random. Um, even the way that our cells work, we... We assume it's just, you know, an on and off switch or this is important for this or this protein is important for that. But things are a lot more stochastic and random and even evolution itself. It's all a lot of it is random chance. And, you know, this virus was in the right organism at the right time. And then this event happened. And so a lot of things have come and gone as well there's a lot that we don't know that we just will never know because it may have been lost because of a certain you know ice age or or something like that so well you know films horror films are made (laughs) out of that about you know an old virus coming to life again after it's been (laughs) unfrozen does that is that sort of an area that you look into and think for for good or evil that uh, you know old viruses that could have been around thousands or tens of thousands of years ago could come back that's actually a really good question, and there are labs at the moment who are doing that. Um, there's one lab that I had the pleasure of going to visit, actually, in Marseille in France, and they did just that. They um, drilled into the Siberian uh, permafrost and um, sort of regenerated some viruses that they obtained from the ice there. And it is tricky. Um, you know, DNA technologies are getting to the point now where you can construct viruses from scratch. You don't even need to isolate it from, from anyone. Mm. You can just sort of, if you know the sequence, you can um, sort of order them in different blocks and put them together (laughs) and sort of generate kind of any virus that you want. So, yeah, there's always this double-edged sword of, 
you know, this is important for scientific research, but also we need to, you know, make sure our uh, scientists don't go too crazy <laughs> and, and let something loose. So, yeah, that, that, that is an important debate. I think we should be having, you know, research for research sake is important. I, it just depends on how much we trust scientists to do the right thing, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> the more I do science, the more I realize it, it is ultimately a human endeavor and humans are flawed. Yeah, so. wow. Yes, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Joni Mitchell and Both Sides Now, captured in 1969. How does this fit as an infectious song for you, Bish? Well, this is kind of a, a semi-long story. I guess yeah, it connects well into what I was talking about earlier. So in the first year of my PhD, when I first started, I thought I knew everything about science. I thought I was hot shit. And um, <laughs> I was also in love. I was in my first relationship. And I thought I knew everything <laughs> about love. Um, and I guess the way we talk about love sometimes mimics how we talk about someone being sick, I guess. You know, we call them love sick or mm. they have the love bug or they're consumed. And that was definitely me. But by the end, of my first year of my PhD, I realized that I did not understand science at all. Um, or there was so much that I didn't know or that I could never know. And I experienced my first breakup as well. And so I had to think about the way I thought about love very differently. And I realized, you know, I didn't really know what it actually meant to be in love at all. So I turned to this song a lot because I love how Joni Mitchell kind of vocalizes that idea of you know experiencing life and coming out the other side and you know admitting that you really don't understand anything as you go through life rows and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere I've looked at My next choice is Yeah Yeah Yeahs with Heads Will Roll.
they say laughter is infectious as well, um, but I found that while doing comedy, making people laugh can be infectious as well. Like when I first started doing comedy, it was the second year of my PhD after my breakup, like all good. Uh, <laughs> good rebound. Exactly. Comedy careers all start because of a breakup, I think. After my first set, you know, the, the feeling of being up there and making other people laugh, it was really, really infectious and I just wanted to do it more and more. This song is something that I is, is a song that I used to listen to a lot before gigs, but I would change the lyrics in my head to from heads will roll to heads will lull. He <laughs> uh, talk. Yeah, it was my kind of hyping up song that you know got me pumped up before a show. You're also uh, busy, obviously, being a scientist. What's the mm-hmm. state of play for you in Australia right now? Because science funding has been cut quite a lot. Where do mm. you where do you sort of sit in terms of job prospects in Australia? <laughs> Well, um, I finished my PhD at the start of this year and I spent many months applying uh, for jobs. And, you know, I got uh, maybe a couple of interviews, but the first thing is the nature of doing a PhD in any subject is it's so specialised that there are only very few labs in the world that do a similar thing that you do. Um, So there's only limited options in the first place. But I think especially in Australia, with the nature of what science funding is, as it is at the moment, fewer and fewer labs are getting grants every year. So the situation is quite dire out there. So I had to switch gears and and look overseas. So I've actually just accepted a job at Cambridge. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, what will you be doing? I'm assuming a lab in Cambridge? Yes, yeah. So they don't work with viruses, which I'm uh, very sad about, but they work on cell membranes and how the curvature of membranes influences cell movement. Um, it's very nerdy, you know, but it's it's related to my work because I was looking at how viruses interact with cell membranes. So... It's in a similar field and, and they're a great lab and um, they're very supportive and I'm, I'm very excited to work with them. It's a shame, though, that we're going to lose you, that Australia's going to lose a great science, a scientist oh. and a great music <laughs> fan as well. <laughs> I, I'm very, very sad to leave. You know, Australia's been my home for the past 12 years and I've, you know, developed a lot of friendships and relationships here and uh, hopefully I'll be back soon, though. We have one more choice and it's a big one. Missy Elliott, Work It. Tell us about how this song is an infectious one for you, Bish. Whenever I listen to the song, it just brings back so many memories of mine. So working with infectious organisms or, you know, any kind of living organisms as a scientist means that you might not always get to keep to nine to five workers. So during my PhD, um, my lab mates and I would often spend many nights in the lab. Uh, we, you know, we'd have like a little bed or a beanbag set up in the corner so we could sleep over. Because, you know, viruses have life cycles of, you know, eight hours or 16 hours or, or longer experiments would go for, you know, 24 or 36 hours. So it means, you know, someone always had to be there. A viral sleepover of, is what you're talking about. <clears throat> exactly. We'd have like a movie night combined with, you know, one person running into the lab and checking on the experiments. And, <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, and so we'd listen to a lot of music in the lab as well. One of the songs we listened to a lot was uh, Work It by Missy Elliott. And I don't know, it just kind of kept us going. You know, we'd be in there at midnight and we'd know everyone else would be safely tucked away in bed and, you know, we'd feel sorry for ourselves. But, you know, Missy Elliott would just keep us working at it. Um, yeah, into the, into the late nights for science. 
Missy Elliott's Work It, the soundtrack to many long nights in the lab for Bish Mazouk as she played you infectious songs. What a total legend. Bish is one of those people I wanted to talk to all day and I do hope she comes back to share her science knowledge with Australia someday soon. Next time, we're diving back into the archives with Daniel Johns. That's the first record I ever bought. And then from there, I just, I was the biggest Deep Purple fan when I was just learning guitar. So I was about 12 years old. And that was my life mission to be able to learn how to play that on guitar. So I kind of sat in my bedroom for hours and hours trying to figure out how to play it. And yeah, I remember that. Once I figured out how to play that song, that kind of, that was it for me. Once I knew I could figure out how to play something that I pretty much forgot about anything other than my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) School fell by the wayside. Yeah, school, sport, anything that could possibly be good for you. (laughs) The kid who'd write Tomorrow a couple of years later and have his band Silverchair become one of the biggest in Australia. Daniel Johns taking five with the songs that made him. Next time. Hey, this is George Maple. Hey, this is Nick Murphy. I'm Rose Matafeo. I'm taking five. Hey, this is Jake from Methyl Ethel. Hi, guys. Kate McCarthy from the Brisbane Lions. This is Joshua Homme. Hey, this is Wafia, and I'm taking five with Sam. The Take Five podcast. The people you love play five songs they love and tell you why.